Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Life Coach D coming at you with the Live Series. My subject matter today is titled, This Ain't For Everybody, An Additional Conversation With Myself. Today, I will discuss a plethora of things, including post-2020 election results and the state of our world today. Music credit to Anthony Brown and Group Therapy. Stay tuned. I'll be back. Greetings, everybody. This is Life Coach D coming at you, and I want to dig deeply in this conversation that I'm happy with myself that I want to share with you. It is so crazy what's going on right now in our country. Today is November 19th in the post-2020 election era of the United States. I can't even begin to tell you what's going on in my mind. There are so many thoughts. There are so many things that I will share with you today. So many things we will discuss. I have a whole bunch of segments that I will put in this conversation because it is noteworthy that people understand how cynical people are right now, how horribly represented the church is, how misrepresented this country is, and how crazy we look through the entire world right now. It's just unbelievable what I'm witnessing, but we will dig deeply into this conversation called an additional conversation with myself. I'll be back. Stay tuned. So let's dig in. So the first question I asked myself, am I really witnessing what I'm witnessing right now? Am I watching the leader of the free world literally divide the country, try to destroy democracy and refuse to relinquish his his power? And the answer to that question is absolutely yes. It is blowing my mind. However, I'm not surprised. The current administration showed us five years ago exactly who he was. Or excuse me, the current administration, but the, the leader of the current administration showed us exactly who he was five years ago. And then in the next four years that followed, he followed his actions accordingly. So with the whole fake news media and then with the whole uh, kind of telling people that mail-in votes were going to be, it was going to be rigged and saying things like, if I don't win, something was wrong. All of this stuff was leading up to what we see right now. So as I'm having this conversation in my head, and I'm thinking about this and I'm meditating over this. I'm like, he's shown us his hand. And, and so anybody who's surprised that it's kind of shame on you. The next thing is, am I literally hearing fake prophetic words come from so-called leaders of the church, men and women of God saying that they heard the Lord tell them that, Trump was going to be in office for, for two terms, praying and pleading and decreeing and interceding. And it's like, am I really watching this happen? I, I can get the world acting like the world, but now the church latching on to this and calling this God's will is simply mind boggling. But things are being exposed. I believe God is allowing this stuff to be exposed. And what we're seeing is the reality of what is really going on, even in the church. So as I begin to look at this entire situation that we're facing right now, I want to start this off with several segments and excerpts from some very, very prominent people in the quote unquote church world who will very soon be labeled false prophets and a whole bunch of other things. One of the things that I am sure of is that God is exposing all hypocrisy and people who are declaring and decreeing certain things in his name that he is simply not a part of. So as you listen to this, I want you to understand that the majority of the things that we're seeing right now is why people think that the church of today in 2020 is a joke. We're cynical, outdated, and so on and so forth. So listen here. And as you listen, understand that this is what the majority of the white evangelical world and even some other sects of Christianity are listening to and calling their leaders and hearing these voices over the voice from the creator. The media said what? <laughs> the media said Joe Biden's president. <laughs> They laugh all day, Barbara, but he president elect. 
Unfortunately, it gets even more cynical. After listening to this very well-known preacher laughing about what's going on right now, why over 254,000 people have died from coronavirus, why our country is as divided as I've seen it in my lifetime, and why we have the president of the United States and leader of the free world literally destroying democracy at every turn. He's laughing. I don't find it funny. Listen, it gets even more ridiculous. Proceed. Paula White came delivered a prayer service on Wednesday night, which was screamed on Facebook Live. And what was her prayer about? It was an effort to secure one term impeached president, the celebrity in chief, Donald J. Trump's reelection. You can't make this kind of stuff up. God is the best Noah and planner and apparently comedy script writer. Would you like to hear Paula White Kane calling on the African ancestors to deliver Donald Trump a second term in the White House? Let's go. Angels are being dispatched right now. Amanda, Ata, Ata, Rata, Teda, Baka, Sanda, Ata, Ambo, Osa, Tata, Rite, Eke, Banda, Ata, Rike, Didi, Ashata. For angels have even been dispatched from Africa right now. They're coming here. They're they're coming here in the name of Jesus from South America. They're coming here. They're coming here. It's angelic reinforcement, angelic reinforcement, angelic reinforcement. I feel the need to remind y'all right now that Satan has a kingdom too. I also feel the need to remind y'all that I don't like to waste God's time. I pray for the basics of uh, good physical and mental health, divine protection of myself and those I love and constant discernment. That's all I want. Okay. Everything else I can handle. And even when things aren't going my way, I look for the lesson in what God is attempting to show me okay not paula white king she thinks she can go caring on god okay she thinks going caring on god is going to get trump in the white house god is not the police paula he's they, god don't have to listen to you now just, now listen wait a minute one second is there more to the prayer wait is, is, is there more to the actual prayer not the prayer with the sauce on it is there just more to the actual prayer Strike and 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 strike until you have victory for every enemy that is aligned against you. Let there be that we would strike the ground for you will give us victory, God. I hear a sound of abundance of rain. I hear a sound of victory. I hear a sound of shouting and singing. I hear a sound of victory. The Lord says it is done. The Lord says it is done. Now, I'm telling you right now, God, Jesus, the Holy Ghost, and Beyonce all sent that prayer to their spam folders, okay? There is a virus attached to that prayer, and the virus is called Mayo 19. No mask can prevent the transmission of it, and it's literally killed millions. There's only one way to keep Mayo 19 from infecting us all, and that's by adding that sauce. See, it's a sauce that black people have that makes everything better. Listen to what happens when we add some sauce to Paula White's tongue. Just listen. Sauce that black people have that makes the canes of the world envy those of us who are able. Do you hear me? I said the canes of the world are jealous and envy those of us who are able to do the things they are not. So much so. They would rather kill their black brothers and sisters by praying to reelect someone who is a direct threat to our very lives. Now, Paula Kane White understands the sauce. OK, don't think she doesn't, because Miss Billy Graham Cracker called on the ancestors from Africa to help Trump. She called on the spirits of, from Africa and South America to help. But what she doesn't understand is the spirits have already intervened. And dear friends, your vote is precious, almost sacred. It is the most powerful non-violent tool we have to create a more perfect union. Not too long ago, people stood in unmovable lines. They had to pass a so-called literacy test, pay a poll tax. On one occasion, a man was asked to count the number of bubbles in a bar of soap. On another occasion, one was asked to count the jelly beans in a jar, all to keep them from casting their ballot. Today, it is unbelievable that there are Republican officials are trying to stop some people from voting. Listen, listen. Drop on the clues bombs, uh, John Lewis. Look here, Miss Bishop T.D. Snowflake. And I want you to remember this. When God decides to bless you, God will cause situations to come together in your favor, no matter what others try to do. God and voters have already blessed this year's election. Things have clearly come together in the favor of the 
Harris Biden ticket, and there's nothing Miss Jimmy Swagless can do about it. Please let Chelsea Handler give Paula Kane White the biggest hee-haw. Very well-known radio host Charlemagne the God puts it very clearly. Certain things are inevitable. Certain things are being put into perspective and certain things have happened. Democracy has spoken. The rights of the voters have spoken. And I've said it before in other podcasts. My ancestors were murdered for this right through all kind of distractions and things done, counting bubbles of soap and guessing how many jelly beans were in her jar. This is the stuff that we've had to go through for democracy as we know it today to be slowly but surely stripped away. And people who are blindly leading, unfortunately, spiritual people who claim to be people of God, who are followers of Christ, who claim to know the voice of the Holy Spirit are being deceived into thinking that what is going on right now is some scheme, some deep, dark secret that the Democratic Party or, or the devil or whoever is, is plotting against without realizing certain things are inevitable and has been written. It's blowing my mind. But this is why the church now becomes the butt of jokes from talk show hosts and comedians because they're irrelevant. And it's a sad commentary and a horrible misrepresentation of who the creator is. Oh, my goodness. It gets better. I wish I could make this stuff up or I were making it up, but I'm simply not. These are leaders in the modern church. And they're coming up with all of these things to try to put something into place that simply is not meant to be. Listen further. The voting booth. And in fact, uh, Pastor Rudy McKissick um, posted this video on his Instagram page and i I just found it to be very interesting um reverend barber to to listen to the reaction of white evangelicals to biden harris winning father we we praise you tonight we humble ourselves tonight lord god we ask you in jesus name father that you'd forgive us as a people, Almighty God, please, God, you are pro-life, and one man is, and one man is not. Would you be pro-life for us, Jesus? Lord, one man is for Israel, one is not. You are for Israel. Lord, one man is for our military and our police, and the other is not. You are. What will we decide? What message will we send you? Jesus. Forgive us as a people. We have slept. Uh, Reverend Barbara, I can't play all that. Here's here's, here's what I just heard, Reverend Barbara. He mentions pro-life. Right. He mentions the military and law enforcement. He mentions Israel. He does not mention the Palestinian people. He does not mention the fact, Reverend Barbara, that Joe Biden got more military votes in these key states than Donald Trump did. Absolutely. He, to, to Jamal's point, he ain't talking about the issue of uh, uh, the death penalty. Uh, of folks who've been shot by cops and he shoo his head and all that crying and whining uh, did not say nothing about the poor Reverend Barber. Well, you're exactly right. And he, he got the repentance part right, <laughs> but he's doing the wrong repentance. Uh, if you go down the list of things Jesus listed in Luke 418 and in Matthew 25, he didn't bring any of that. He didn't bring any of the Beatitudes. Now, it is important, uh, Roland, that, I, that I, I think when we talk about these evangelicals, first of all, when you look at biblical evangelicals, the ab- white abolitionists were at evangelicals. The social gospel movement was evangelical. The, the evangelicals we have today, they stole the term. They hijacked it uh, during the time that many of them were. And it actually started before the civil rights movement. It started 
doing the New Deal. And there's a book on this called The Purchasing of the American Pulpit by Kevin Cruz out of Princeton. And they actually, the corporate business world, the Chamber of Commerce, decided that they did not have the ability to shape the moral consciousness. They were upset that the social gospel was so deep in the churches. And they gave a man out of um, California some money, big money. And his job was to purchase the American pulpit. And inside of 10 years, he had a few years, he had something like 19,000. And if you trace from there to the moral majority, to the so-called religious right, they all flow out of there. That's one thing you ought to understand about this. Secondly, you know, my dear friend Jonathan Hartgrove grew up in white evangelicalism, and he's now writing some of the strongest books against it and standing against it. Young people are leaving them in droves. They don't like to talk about it, but if you read some of the other, if they're leaving them, there's a whole group of Christians now called red letter Christians who have left this so-called white evangelicalism. They work with us in the poor people's campaign. They just moved on. But then there's another dynamic, Doc, and that is, you know, a lot of black ministers supported Trump, so not Trump, supported Reagan and Bush. They supported the governor out of Ohio, Kasich. And when you look at their policies, the only difference between them is Trump is Trump's craziness. And that's something we're going to have to have a discussion about. Okay, for those who think I may be being a little unfair and I'm only picking on white evangelicals. Oh, no, no, no. I'm going to talk about the black church as well, because even they think that Trump is some type of savior, typically because of one issue, and that's pro-life, or should I say pro-abortion, because this current administration, thank God, that's going to be out of here in January, could care less about life beyond the womb. His policies support it, and everything that we see for those who are really paying attention to what's going on with Supreme Court um, assignments and people who are literally uh, being ranked as severely unqualified are being put into lifetime positions or lifetime um, terms. And it's crazy because if you do your research and you do your study, you will understand that things that are being done are counterintuitive in a lot of ways. And so the black church, you don't get a pass. But check out this history lesson from Reverend Barbara out of North Carolina. Take notes. Because because we have we have some of that same stuff happening inside of the black church um, that has supported, you know, some of these Republicans whose policies were just extreme. Remember, Governor Kasich was the one that cut welfare, put people out. Uh, look at where Ronald Reagan started his campaign. Roland, you and I have talked about this in Philadelphia, Mississippi. Look at what he did. Look at what George Bush did. George Bush left Obama uh, the recession. Obama had to pull up out of it. We have to be careful not just to be moved by people who now say they were against Trump or for Trump because Trump is a part of ism. And you and I were talking about it the other day. There was a decision made in 1968 by Pat Buchanan, Kevin Phillips, and some so-called white evangelicals to split the country in half for political purposes. That was their goal. And they said they would always disavow it. And if they did it, they could survive and, 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 and rule the country politically for the next 50 years. Well, this is the 52nd year of that. This is the 52nd year. And what scares them the most is that it's, it's Georgia turning, North Carolina, these southern states, because that was the goal. But behind it, even beyond abortion and, 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 and prayer in the school and being against gay people, that's the stuff they put out front. They used to put out front uh, segregation. They can't do that anymore. But if you look even deeper, the, the, the per candidates they support are all pro-corporate. They, they treat corporations like people and people like things. Every one of the judges that they put on the bench vote 90 and 98% in favor of corporations. What we have here, Roland, and I'm through, is what Ezekiel talked about in Ezekiel 22 when it talked about how the prophet, the, pre, the priest, 
and the and the and the greedy had hooked up together the love of money so under all that crying you just saw him doing i would if you check who really is behind him his backers where they really are all of these folks it traces to the dallas business club that group of all leaders and folk like that that have put enormous amounts of resources into creating the illusion because what they want is the white evangelical vote to go toward candidates who when they get elected they will primarily support corporate interests and support voting laws that suppress black brown and indigenous votes that's what's really going on behind it's deceptive and you got to get up under it and jamal, jamal what has to happen is we have to be willing to challenge them as vigorously as possible. I know some black folks who say, oh, this is about religious liberty and churches should be able to take federal funds and hire who they want to hire. And look, there are a number of black churches that are that are very much pro-life uh, that uh, that that believe in a marriage between a man and a woman. But they also say, but I can't get with your racism. I can't get with how you're treating children on the border. I can't uh, get with the is good people on both sides. And and to me, uh, this is the moment where the black church has to frankly throw down against the likes of Franklin Graham and Ralph Reed and Tony Perkins and Paula White and say, no, we've drawn a line. Either you truly with Jesus or as Reverend Barber said, you with corporate America. I think that that is why it is so critical that we underscore the significance of Reverend Raphael Warnock going to Senate. Uh, it shows uh, the black church in marketplace holding and underscoring our values and principles that are not for sale. That underrated activist Hosea Williams said we're unbought and we're unbossed. Uh, and so isn't it critical that all of America's power structure comes back to a black pastor? And I latch that on to uh, the history lesson uh, that uh, Reverend Barber just gave us, is that the black church can't be for sale in this hour. Uh, is that we've got to realize that there is so much swinging uh, in the pendulum, and that's why all eyes are going to be on Georgia. And let it not be lost on us that Reverend Raphael Warnock pastors from the sanctuary of Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, There's so many historical tropes connected to that uh, that are symbolic of the changing of the God, the shifting of the paradigm, and the fulfillment of the dream. And so uh, here in Georgia, I'm excited about us turning the page uh, on one chapter and shutting a book uh, on another one, that the real church is going to have to show itself. uh, Because what we have seen is... uh, while Trump has lost the election, a lot of evangelicals are losing their mind, they're losing their place, uh, and they're losing their theological footing. Barbara. Let me interject at this point and talk about biblical ignorance masked as spiritual alignment. It is amazing, as I've said over and over, I keep using that word, how ignorant people are. People are aligning with things, ideologies, and things that literally have no biblical sound or biblical base to it because things have been taught biblically off. It's been taught what I call from a slave man's mentality. And in 2020, there's simply no excuse for not being able to do your own research and gather and gather, excuse me, your own understanding that the things that are being taught are false. The basis is off. And as you heard Dr. Barbara uh, put it, the pulpits have been purchased. And you have people who are blindly following these mega voices, these loud voices of people who are off and they're leading them. And it's literally the blind leading the blind. Or should I say it's not even blind leading the blind. It's more so people who understand what's going on and they're leading people blindly because people are choosing to follow this all in the name of, quote unquote, Christianity or religion. It's a sad commentary. Barbara, you have been battling these folks for quite some time and the reality is this here. Franklin Graham often questioned whether Barack Obama was a Christian, uh, yet he's excused the cheating behavior of Donald Trump. We've watched these people uh, who always are talking morality and principles and morals and values and ethics completely throw that out the window for Donald Trump. We're talking about supporting the empire 
versus supporting the kingdom. That's what Reverend Dr. Barber was just talking about, that the black church really threw down in Milwaukee and Detroit and Philadelphia and Atlanta for justice, for you know righteousness for the poor. They didn't fall for the okie doke of eight months, nine months in the womb, you know, a pro-life. That's not pro-life. They didn't fall for the okie doke of, you know, of righteous living when you support a president who is the most scandalous immoral ever. So I'm proud of the black church. And I'm uh, hearing uh, Dr. Jamal say the same thing, that we have an opportunity in Georgia to lift up the very best of the black church and not get in the bed with white evangelicals as though they are for us. They are not for us. They're not committed. They got what they wanted. They got 200 lifetime appointments on the federal bench, not for, uh, that were anti-civil rights. Yeah. They got that. They got three justices who will take out health care for black people and brown people and poor white people during a pandemic. They are not in the same league with us. Now, should we build bridges? Of course, we're called to do that. But we be, need to be clear about the differences right now. They, they would stat, they would have, they, look at the vote. 70% of them have no problem. Racism is not a deal breaker for them. Injustice is not a deal breaker. Caging brown children is not, that's not Jesus. That's none of the gospel. So what, what, what Bible are they reading? To me, they have become just another, another political band. Well, first of all, so as I enter this new segment, I wanted to say uh, there was great insight that came from Roland Martin's discussion with William Barber and his other panelists that really challenged us to really think about what the basis of this country's foundation is spiritually and even just from a practical perspective. And so I just wanted to highlight the fact that that was some very insightful information, a good historical lesson. Uh, also, Jamal Bryant adding some very, very insightful information as well to really challenge us beyond the normacy of what we know foundationally uh, Christianity, uh, or should I say American Christianity to be. So I'll continue and I'll be back with the next segment. At this juncture, for anyone listening, you may be saying, okay, this dude said that he is having a podcast that's talking about a continued conversation with himself. And so let me explain actually what that meant. There's a lot of thoughts that I have. I do a lot of research and study, and I try to look at all aspects of things. But I'm a very analytical person, along with being a C personality, which is a need to know person, a need a need to know information type person. And so when you hear the different interviews throughout this podcast and you hear the different things being said and different things being taught, these are literally things that I have either thought about or that has come to my mind, my heart or my spirit, whatever you want to call it. And I knew that there was some more things that I needed to research and I, some things I needed to dig out a little bit more, some things I needed to examine a little bit more to come to a full conclusion. Because sometimes when you're thinking about things, you may think that you're the only one thinking these things, but then you find out later that it's not just you thinking it. It's a lot of people that's thinking these things. And so you go ahead and you are actually okay and you're appreciative of knowing that you're not on this island or you're not this person that's thinking independently of others. And so this is what a, a continued conversation with myself really uh, meant and, and what it was defined as. And so as I uh, begin to close here soon, not right away, just know that the continued conversation has a lot to do with things that you're hearing in this podcast from other people that I had thought about or that I had researched on my own because those are things that were dropped in my heart to actually discuss and to explore even more. So continuing on, this next segment will have excerpts from interviews with Karen Hunter and Lecrae Moore, who is a hip hop artist, who is a Christian, who talks about his transition from understanding what it truly means to have a relationship with God over being a religious person. He gives some very insightful observations and also some things that are from his own personal understanding of how 
relationship with God looks to him and how it correlates to what we are seeing right now in the earth today. So stay tuned. Very insightful information to come. Talking with Lecrae, Lecrae Moore. Uh, the book is I Am Restored, How I Lost My Religion But Found My Faith. Chapter five, Make America Great Again, question mark. Tell me about that chapter. I mean, exactly. It's a question mark. I think we all were wondering, well, I won't say we all, many of us were wondering what exactly does it mean to make America great again? Who was it exactly great for? At what point in time? As I, If I trace my history back, uh, you know, I, I see my great three times great grandmother getting uh, kidnapped from Africa and brought over here. I see, you know, her being a slave. I see her children being slaves and her, their children being sharecroppers and my mother uh, existing in a segregated uh, civil rights era. And it was never great for any of them. So I'm just wondering what period of time this is and who the people uh, were who got to experience this greatness because I myself can't point to that in my family history. You optimistic? I mean, there are people that um, think that Trump is here to usher in the second coming of Jesus. So they're praying for his success. You know, the treaty with Israel, the three years of peace, followed by Armageddon. You know, if you read Revelations, you you know that story. And so they believe that, you know, the little head uh, that emerges from the wound, you know, they have the this prophecy, you know, that they are praying for Jesus to come back, not really understanding what that actually means <laughs> and the destruction that's coming with that. Um, and, and it says in the last days you will wish for death and it will not come. Like that's how horrific. Do you really want that? Okay. All right, y'all. All right. Cause you think you're going to be spared from it. I don't know. I don't know that you are. Uh, cause there's no rapture. So here's one of those points where we really have to have a biblical understanding for ourselves. Do we really believe that this person who's on his way out is who God has ordained to be there to usher in the second coming of Christ? Do we really believe this is who he wants to usher in his coming? It is very clear that there's a lot of things biblically that have even that have not even yet to begin to be fulfilled. But yet we're ready to go ahead and make the next move to the next life. We have to have clarity of understanding for ourselves that we cannot trust the voices of many people out there. Now, there's a lot of voices, but there's only one clear voice and that clarity will come from the creator to us and it will be abundantly clear. And so it is so important because biblically speaking that even in the latter days, if it were so that the elect would be deceived. And I'm saying to you, people who are listening, do not allow deception to come. Let's not be deceived, but get that clarity that we need from the creator through vertical relationship only. Let me continue on at this point by talking about pro-life, which really equals anti-abortion versus life from the womb to the tomb. There's not a lot of conversation about life beyond somebody's womb, a woman's womb. They don't want to talk about that. You got people who are just upset about, you know, babies being taken out of a woman's womb. And let me be clear. And many people that you've heard me quote, uh, have made it clear that a lot of us are not pro-abortion. However, we're also not pro-make somebody do something legally. Um, and I will always say Christ gives us the right to choose him. How dare we take politics, blend it up with religion and, and pass laws that pretty much make a person not have their own self-will. So life from the womb to the tomb is a pro-life to me. But a lot of people are taking this hard stand on just anti-abortion but i think life in general should be worth something and it's been proven over and over by the silence of black men and women being killed uh, by cops um, food insecurities i can go on and on about the hypocrisy of the church alone that won't talk about life from the womb to the tomb and they just stop with this anti-abortion thing and it's just it's something to be said about that and this is not the first, second, third, hundredth time that we've had this story in America. And you and you start to see that there are a whole lot of people that care about unborn babies, but not about grown human beings. What do you say to them? Because they like you, Lecrae Moore. Those folk like you. <laughs> they do, and and they're 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 rooting for me to uh, to be an advocate 
uh, and and listen, I am a, I'm, I'm I am a pro-lifer, but I'm a pro-lifer from the womb to the tomb. So, you know, I believe it all the way to the end. And here's what I, I my struggle right now is, especially for uh, those people who are anticipating, you know, who who in their mind they're saying, man, my vote for Trump is me aligning myself with the pro-life agenda. Well, I would say that historically Christians have been, um, you know, filled with this idea uh, that, that, you know, the Republican Party is, is going to end uh, abortion and going to put a stop to this whole idea of abortion, um, which has never happened in the 50 years since Roe versus Wade. Whatever Republican candidate or president we've had, it hasn't happened. As a matter of fact, the abortion rate was lowest when Obama was in office, a Democrat. So to me, I guess I'm like, you're not thinking about this in a very critical way. What you're doing is you're, you're, you're a one issue voter because you believe that some kind of way this person is going to end this, or you're saying, well, this aligns with my ideals. And you're saying, well, I want to pit this ideal over these ideals. But, but, why are you combating that? Like, when is it okay ever to 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 decide? Well, you know what? Who? What? Which? Which evil is better to me? When is that ever okay? The electric chair uh, or stab him? Like, when is that ever a good idea to debate which one is the best or which one is the worst? I think somebody being shot in Philly is terrible. I think you know what I'm saying. Um, you know, my decision. Let me continue on by talking about judgments versus the gospel, the good news. What happened to the days of the good news of a savior coming to bring assurance and clarity of the world? We've moved so far beyond that. It, it just blows my mind. We now have false prophets and people proclaiming uh, a leader, the leader of the free world who bears nothing fruitful. He has no fruit of the spirit. There's no um, relation to his right standing uh, with God, but yet you have people who have prayed over this man and prophesied and talked this nonsense about declaring ground and all of these different things while this person has said out of their own mouth, I have never asked for forgiveness because I've always felt that I've made the right decisions and I've made those decisions based off of that. And so the very fundamental things, the quote unquote gospel, and becoming a Christian is 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 not even there, but yet you have people who are doing this. And so what's happening is all of this stuff is being exposed. God is now exposing all of these people who are in the name of quote unquote Christianity and or religion are really, really choosing other means for their own benefit. And it has nothing to do with quote unquote religion at all. And all of this stuff is being blown out of the water and being exposed, and rightly so. There's not one of them that's better than the other. And so you can't sit here and make me believe that this vote is the right vote and that vote is the wrong vote. I think that you're going to have to get on your knees and you're going to have to come to grips with the reality of what's best for our nation and uh, what's best for society. When, when I think about the Great Commission, I, I am confused <laughs> by how people think that that is how you can win souls by condemning and judging and wagging your finger at people. Even let's take the issue of abortion, right? I I don't believe in it. I don't think people should do it, but to, to stand outside an abortion clinic with pit posters of unborn, you know, you know, whatever embryos and calling people names and, you know, th trying to blow up abortion clinics. I don't know how that's doing God's work. And even when, you know, I, I joke about Jehovah's Witnesses and when they when they knock on my door and I'm saying, like, first of all, you're making several assumptions, like maybe I already have a relationship with Jesus. Why don't you form a relationship with me? Because that's what I saw Jesus do, form relationships with people. He had bonds with people. People went to where he was. He didn't have to come to them. He was out chilling. They would show up. He would be over there near the water. They would show up because somebody said he's got some good news for me. And I was like. If you are really that person that's following Christ, be the person that has the good news. Be the person yeah. that people want to come to to hear what you got to say. 
instead of condemning. And I feel like from cafe to all of these so-called Christians who have businesses and they're going to shut down on Sunday, but condemn people Monday through Saturday. I just, I just, I struggle with how that lines up with the word and all of these fake Christian pastors that have these churches that are sitting there putting their hands on laying hands on this three-time divorce, you know, person who had sex with a porn star while his wife was pregnant and had a baby out of wedlock and has defrauded people and is just a horrible, despicable human being. And I'm making not a judgment. These are facts, but maybe I'm judging a little bit. But at the same time, how as a Christian, do you align yourself with this and say that this is somebody I'm going to pray for? Yeah, pray for. But is that your alignment? I just, I struggle, Lecrae, with the hypocrisy. Can you help me suss it out? I honestly think, and because I, I have friends who are very vocal about um, their perspective in that particular area, and I think for them, you know, their their mindset is that, hey, you know, I, I think there's multiple categories. So the conversations that I've had is, hey, you know, I'm looking, I don't like that character stuff either, but I'm looking at what's best for the nation. And I don't believe that, you know, socialism or globalism is going to lead us in a healthy direction. Right. So that's that's a mentality and a mindset that certain people have. Another perspective is that, yes, I I don't agree with his character and I don't think it's right. But at the same time, you know, I can't point fingers at him. You know, we all fall short and that that excuses it. But but what this what I'll be honest with I what I think and I can't speak for everybody, but but the one that probably does disturb me is is that you love your nation or your idea of your nation more than you love the people in it and all of the people in it, right? You love the idea of the power and the control more than you love the people inside of it. And so the, the flag is not sacred. It's not you know, you love the idea of the flag more than what the flag should represent. And it should represent one nation under God, indivisible, connected, caring for one another. But if it doesn't represent that, then you're in love with an idea. And I think most people are in love with the idea of nationalism and not the actual nationals, the people in the U.S. of it. As I just mentioned earlier, it's very pivotal for us to understand that God is exposing a lot of this stuff. And take note that this is just the beginning. Knowing God for yourself, the creator for yourself is going to be very pivotal in this time. And you must realize that relying on church, relying on certain circles and relying on others is not going to sustain you during this time. You must make sure that you know the creator for yourself because a lot of things are being shaken off. Uh, Foundations are being shook and anything that is not founded you will see it fail during this time. Additionally, let me say this. The day of the superstardom and the superstar church is over. Getting back to the basis of God's heart, his plan, his will for his people and the nation is paramount during this time. So as I end this segment, I want to remind you as the listener that the nation divided against itself cannot stand. Unity is the way to progress. However, progress without truth only prolongs unification. Do you foresee, you know, I'm faith, I'm I'm usually optimistic, very faithful. Uh for the first time I've I've not been optimistic. You know, as I look at this nation, I don't I I'm no longer wedded to uh the notion that it can be fixed. I think that it was born in hypocrisy built on blood and murder and destruction. And I think that the root is poison and I don't know that it can grow anything good. That's how I feel. And I had to come to this conclusion after watching of eight minutes and 46 seconds of George Floyd having a life literally choked out of him, which shot the entire world, put the entire world on notice has not changed the, the temper and the, and the, and the tone of this, of the, of the rhetoric coming out of the white house and many corners of this country. I don't know that there's any change that is going to happen. What are your thoughts? I think all dynasties must come to an end. You know, uh, Rome had to crumble. Uh, Spain, as it was at one point in time, had to crumble. Uh, the, 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 
you know, Portugal, all the European powers who at one point in time, Greece, whoever, who ruled and reigned um, with blood and with terror, um, all, you know, had to come to an end. And so, I, I, again, I am not ungrateful to live here. I've been around the world. I'm glad to be here. I've seen the opportunities that I get from being an American citizen. I'm grateful. At the same time, you know, as a Christian, this ain't my home. My kingdom's above. So I'm not, it's the kingdom before the nation for me. I'm not, like you said, I, I want the best for us here, but I want the best for us globally. And I know that scares conservatives and, and my, you know, my, I know that's scary to them because I'm saying global, but I got it for God so love the world. Not for God so love America. Wait, hold on. What? Very well put as an ending point about how do we feel? Or how should we feel about this country after we've seen major things happen? But it seems like the soul of America is still conflicted. And I thought Karen Hunter put it well when she's like, I just don't know. It's based on the foundation of this country. We're able to come out of it. But Lecrae responded by saying every great dynasty must fall. And I, I have to be in 100 percent agreement with that. I'll finalize all of this with a barrage of thoughts to solidify this entire conversation. I'll be back. So let me qualify a few things as I uh, begin to close and before you hear my final rant. Politically speaking, I think a lot of people may try to size me up and, and, and listen to my uh, different podcasts and think they have me. But let me say this first and, and foremost, and then pretty much overall, I'm an independent thinker. You can't put me in a red or blue box. Um, you can't put me in a, into a liberal or conservative or, pro or progressive mindset. It's a little bit of, of a mixture of everything. And I think that's how we can be the best we are able and capable of becoming because we're looking at the whole of everything and we make collective decisions as a result. I don't claim to be uh, the, the smartest guy nor the dumbest guy, but I am an educated black man. And I pridely, I say that with a lot of pride because I've done my homework and I pay attention to what's going on. And on that note, we're paying attention to what's going on with uh, President-elect uh, Joe Biden and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris and what they're doing. We're paying attention to the cabinet choices that are going in. And as I said before, this system is not broke at all. It's the system is in full effect and it's working just the way it's supposed to. And I'm watching some things, some choices being made as a very aware man. And a lot of us, as I said before, we are not our ancestors. We're paying attention to what's going on. So you best believe that we're going to call uh, the two elect uh, people that are getting ready to enter the white house out on everything that they have said on the campaign trail some of the things we've seen on their 22 page uh economical uh plan longest past today where you'll quote things from ella baker but your decisions and your choices are contradictory to what ella baker ella baker has said and once again you can't take two or three lines from it and, and establish a thought process without those educated people like myself doing that. That's cool that you pulled out a couple of lines, but we're paying attention to what you are and aren't doing. So that day is passed where we're just not going to call them out on their stuff. So they don't get a pass like anybody shouldn't get a pass in your political spheres, whether it's your local governments, whether it's your mayoral, whether it's your governor. We need to pay attention to what's going on and call people out on their stuff. The day has gone uh, far away from us not paying attention to what's going on. And the powers that be would love to continue to erase history and replace it with history. But there's a lot of us that are now awakening to what's going on and we want to see the change. So no more quoting, like I said, Ella Baker speeches and quoting uh, speeches or certain lines, excuse me, from both uh, certain parts of speeches like Dr. Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech. You quote certain things, but you don't talk about him talking about reparations and the next time he marches we coming for our check we don't talk about that kind of stuff we don't talk about uh the hypocrisy that he called out we only put in perspective things that we think is gonna pacify uh, uh the collective a uh, whole but that day has passed the way this country looks it is different and like i said earlier we had to choose from three elderly white men which is a gross misrepresentation of what this country looked like then you eliminated one of those guys, and then we had two. 
people that was a gross misrepre misrepresentation of the way this country looks and so we're going to call people out on things and we're going to say something when it needs to be said and that's what's called representation because of taxation and so we have to be aware of what's going on so i wanted to make that that clear and make that distinction and also to challenge you as a listener to go out and look at what's going on and see if people's words match up with their actions because it's at that point that we collectively are educating ourselves and it's at that point if we're doing our collective duties as individuals when we come together we become this unified whole and that's when the re the restoration or should i say the refoundation of the united states can be uh completely re restored or, or the beginning of a restoration takes place uh, i will say this in last or in closing when we go back and we look at the constitution and we deconstruct it for what it is you realize that the system that everybody wants to say, oh, it's a broke system, it's not perfect. No, 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 no. That system is in perfect condition and it's working just the way it was established. And it is incumbent upon us to take a jackhammer to that constitution, completely destroy its foundation, and place a foundation that truly represents the whole of America and not just a collective few. Okay, I'll be back with my final rant. So as mentioned, I have a barrage of thoughts that I want to leave you guys with, and they are as follows. The first thing I want to talk about is real versus ridiculous. There are a lot of things that we have seen that are very real, that have been made plain, and that can be considered truth or concrete. But there's also some ridiculous things that we've seen. We've seen a lot of ridiculous actions. We've seen a lot of ridiculous uh, situations and things take place, but we have to be able to find clarity be between what's real and what's ridiculous. Next, the mockery. The mockery of what? The mockery of the church, the mockery of the White House, the mockery of this current administration, the, the mockery of our world right now, our country specifically uh, as it's being viewed by the world. We have to look at this and, and say, how do we allow ourselves to become a mockery? What did we do uh, or not do for us to be laughable for the church to be laughable for the country to be laughable and we have to take a serious look at that and and, and address the mockery that has become the church and uh, this country right now next prophetic voice spiritually speaking over pathetic voices there are a lot of people out there declaring and decreeing things in jesus name and in god's name that simply is not him and he's not a part of and so that's that's the pathetic voices that's out there that's proclaiming to be uh, the voice of of truth and, and integrity. And, and, and we have to, once again, know the difference between a pathetic voice and a prophetic voice. And if we don't do that, we will be lost. Next, the quote unquote modern day church. Well, the modern day church has become a joke. It's laughable now to everybody. And we have to know this. We have to talk about this and we have to do something about this because it's not cool. The church, quote unquote, building. I'm not talking about the people who make up the church, but the building itself. Uh, and I will end with these uh, final nine things. Number one, we have to become what? Or the church, excuse me, the church is now known for or has now become what? Number one, out of touch. Number two, out of date. Number three, judgmental. Let's talk about number one, out of touch. The church today is trying to function under an old mindset and old ideology, and we're completely out of touch with the demographics of today. We're out of touch of what's going on, the modern, the modernity of the of the country and the world today, and uh, this should not be so. Am I saying that we need to change who we are foundationally and, and completely move away from our foundational truths? No. But you can still be in touch and not out of touch, out of date. Same thing. You know, you can't use dilapidated situations or dilapidated uh, methodologies and mindsets to, to talk or, or to win or, or, or sway a modern day world, a modern day country. So we have to become updated, so to speak. Judgmental. Hell, you know, we're still stuck on sending people to hell, putting people to hell, telling them they're going to hell. And God has never Technically speaking, giving us any of that job, that's his job. He knows a person's heart and he knows how to deal with people in his own way. And, and the whole fact of this sphere of hell and, and uh, brimstones, this message is, is, is just utterly ridiculous. There's too much out there uh, to be done whether than judging people where they are. And thank God for grace, because a lot of people who are out there judging people to hell don't realize that they're uh, 
heaping things on their own hand and putting out judgments that may come around and hit them. And so we have to not necessarily stay away from uh, trying to compel people to do right and be right, be integrous and moral, but putting people in the hell is it's, it's not even working anymore. We just have to, our commission is to love. And so if we do that, I think we'll be a lot further along. Next, religious oriented over relationship oriented. More people can tell you all of the rules and the do's and don'ts and the cans and can'ts over understanding that true relationship with God is vertical. It's independent of, of, of a third party in any way, shape, fashion, or form. We got to get back to the basics of being relationship oriented. You and God one-on-one -on -one, and out of that flows a whole bunch of things, including something that would help other people. Number five, profiting over caring for people. The church has become... Uh, this place where we talk about money all the time and these things that we can get and all these things that we can profess and claim and grab and people are being left on the wayside as a result. People are not being taught. People are not being fed. And at the end of the day, we all have a duty and obligation to know God for ourselves and to study for ourselves. But at the same time, profiting over people has to stop as well. This stuff is being exposed. I've talked about it. God is exposing a lot of things and he's allowing things to, to happen because he's trying to get back to the basics of the gospel. That leads me to number six, legalism over practicalities. We got to be practical. God has and always will be practical. Legalism are handcuffs that religion has taken and used as a means to control people. Once again, the relationship is vertical. So legalism is not going to last very long. It pushes people away from God and it forces religion on people. And most people don't like being religious. They like having a relationship. And so, cause relationship is something they can relate to. We deal with relationships every day in our own lives, our husbands, wives, our parents, our kids. And, and so legalism uh, forces us out of relationship, but practicality says, huh, this is how it works. And so we have to look at being more practical over, over legalism. It's not working at all. Next, church people over actually being the church. That is also pivotal. We have to be the church, not go to a building, not uh, uh, center everything about being, excuse me, around being in a building or around being in a place, around being in these groups and all of these different things that is simply not God's heart. It's time for us to get back to the basis of understanding that we are the body collectively and we help each other collectively. And what happens out of that will benefit the entire world. Last but certainly not least, we must talk about how the church is not aware of its transgressions. What do I mean? The number one example is slavery. The church was huge in dealing with slavery and in, in, uh, being complicit with slavery and we've yet to really address that. We just kind of moved on. But that is huge because that leads us over into the modern day white evangelicals uh, who can be almost considered as nationalists, you know, with an agenda that claims to be godly. But really, it has a white in front of it. And this goes back to even the, the slave times and, and the things that were never addressed uh, as the transgressions of one. Of the, excuse me. One of the biggest transgressions of the church. Uh, next is, is black churchism. You know, that's not good either because a lot of the black churchisms, uh, is based on uh, the white Christianity or the slave man's mentality of Christianity that's been taught and that people have carried on even to this point. Now I'm not talking about, uh, the church that is awakened, very aware that's going of what's going on and trying to make moves across the board, like Jamal Bryant and uh, Dr. Reverend William Barber talked about earlier. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the people who are complicit and, and, and kind of only one area of, of this, their relationship, or should I say uh, their religion. Next, the political invasions that have taken place in the church. We got to look at this and be very aware that there should be a clear separation. Uh, we see in a lot of places, there's no separation of church and state, and it should be because people take politics and religion, they blend it up and they come out with this crazy ideology um, that seems to be okay when it never should have been. Uh, next, number nine, American church is now laughable to the international community. How do we get away from being laughable? We have to get back to the basics of what God's heart was for this country, as I mentioned earlier. Last, but certainly not least, we have been rendered non-effective. That is the worst place that you could ever be in any situation where 
what you claim to be, what you claim to stand for has been rendered non-effective and it no longer works. So if I can close and tile this up, I've talked a lot about the state of the church. And, and the reason I've done that is because I'm a member of a person with a relationship, vertical relationship with, with, with the Lord. And I have to address these issues that have now been blended, put into this big blender and really so much confusion. And people, like I said, in very influential positions have come out and said things and declared and decreed things. And they've been false and they've been off. I said earlier that God is exposing these different things and there's judgments that's taking place. And so the reason I hit the church so hard is because it has to be hit that way. But what I would say as a final thought is that we have to get to a place where we understand that unity should be the order of day. We have to speak to the soul of America and we have to get to a place where we want progressive change. We want to see progress, but without truth, being uh, ahead of this whole thing and, and being the trailblazer of all of this, unity will not play, take place and there will not be any progression. For many years, we've avoided truth. We've avoided a lot of things. And this is the fruit of what we see right now in full manifestation. And that's a lack of truth, a lack of uh, taking responsibility for what has happened. And like I said earlier, we must understand that there is not a broke system. The system that is in place as it pertains to systemic racism that has carried over and creeped into the church as well, or should I say has maintained in the church as well, is not broken. It is in full effect. It is working exactly the way it was meant to work. And we have to get to the foundation of that and destroy it in order for us as a nation to move forward and to move on in a progressive way. So thank you for those of you who have been able to endure this entire podcast and you did so to the end. Here's some bonus information of sorts. So there are influencers in the black community um, in the arena of radio and television. And I mean, now at this point, podcasts and YouTubes and, 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 and pretty much the people that I'm about to mention, you can find them all over YouTube. So here is a wealth of information that I'm going to give to you that you can tap into if you want to expand your knowledge, know-how, and understanding. Even people who are listening that are not of people of color or African-American descent, you can benefit if you want to grow from these individuals. I would be remiss not to mention first and foremost, Dr. Claude Anderson. Dr. Claude Anderson is a person who I quoted throughout my first book called The Mentality of Man from an African-American Perspective. He is an author. He's the author of uh, The Powernomics Pact. He can be located and found on YouTube as well as the Harvest Institute. The next person I want to shoot out is Dr. Boyce Watkins. Dr. Boyce Watkins can also be found on YouTube. He also can be found on uh, Dr. Boyce Watkins TV. He is a black economist. He, he puts a huge emphasis on educating African-Americans on wealth and uh, financial uh, prosperity legacy. And he's a huge proponent for teaching young people how to become entrepreneurs at a very young, uh, excuse me, at a very early age. Next, this guy's from my home area. He's out of Detroit with a nationally syndicated radio station. His name is Michael M. Hotep. He also can be heard on Roland Martin's um, Unfiltered on Fridays each week. Michael M. Hotep can be also found on YouTube and you can look him up. He's a historian. He has a wealth of information out there. Next is Roland Martin, as I just mentioned, Roland Martin Unfiltered. He also can be found on YouTube. Roland is bold. He's brassy, but he is a wealth of information as well. He has a, a lot of knowledge and a lot of things. Really, politically, he's really strong in political knowledge, but that he's not limited to just political knowledge, but that is definitely one of his strong suits. Last, but certainly not least, I've been introduced to this uh, individual here recently. Her name is Dr. Karen Hunter. And man, she is also very awesome. You can find her on YouTube and also in class with Karen Hunter and Dr. Greg Carr can be found on YouTube on Saturdays. So these are just a few of the individuals that are huge influences in my life. And like I said, this is not just for those of African-American descent or people of color, but for anybody who wants to expand their knowledge, their know-how and their understanding, who wants to be different, who wants to know things beyond, unfortunately, the white dominated, dominated media who gets its uh, basis out of systemic issues in this country. So there you have it, bonus information. Go check out these individuals. I guarantee you will grow from them. Oh, last but certainly not least, let me say, they all come from different perspectives, but they all have their own ideologies on how the black community can prosper. So different perspectives, but all have the same goal, and that's prospering the black community.
So there you have it, an entire conversation that I've had with myself about a plethora of topics, including everything that's going on in this world and this country, specifically today in 2020, post-election. For anybody out there who can benefit from this, who has been challenged from this, or you feel like this can help somebody else, please share this podcast. Until we meet again, I want you to remember that your lives are very valuable. God bless you and peace be the journey. Now, please listen to these words and this call and this challenge for us to be better and to do better by Anthony Brown and Group Therapy. So cool.